Well, it's August here at Red, which means that it's August Pledge Drive. So if you call Red home, we'd love you to pray about seeding the next season as we pledge our next 12 months of giving. So if you're not giving, you can start giving, you can continue your current giving, or if you feel the Lord leading you, you can increase your giving. So head to the Red Connect page, click on the pledge tile, and pledge what you're going to give in the next 12 months as we seed the next season of what God is doing here at Red. Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to Connect redchurch.org.au. Well, I'm here with uh, Dr. Sam Chan. Sam's a public evangelist with the City Bible Forum in, in Sydney. He's an award-winning author. He's written Evangelism in a Skeptical World. He's recently uh, released a, a new book, How to uh, Talk to People About Jesus Without Being That Guy. We as a staff team have been reading that. It's been a blessing to us. Um, Sam's also a medical doctor. Um, so you're not a particularly busy guy, Sam, and, and thank you for, for finding a bit of time for us. Well, I do work, like you say, three or four days a week with City Bible Forum in Christian ministry, and I work one or two days a week as a medical doctor, but I only work as a surgical assistant. So it's my job to hold the leg for the surgeon while they operate on your leg, just like a mechanic needs an assistant to hold the bonnet of the car while they change your oil. A surgeon needs me to hold your leg while you operate on it. Like I said earlier, a trained blind monkey can do what I do, but... Think about it this way. Whenever you get operated on, we are so worried we're going to do the wrong leg. So we're forever asking at every checkpoint, which leg, which leg, which leg? And you have to say this leg, this leg, (laughs) this leg. And then they put you to sleep and it all comes down to which leg I pick up first. (laughs) And I wasn't there for any of those conversations. And it's a 50-50, so we get it right half the time. And if we get... If, if we do the wrong leg, we throw the the other one in for free. <laughs> that's a uh, uh, that's that's both funny and scary. Um, yeah, it's very yeah, scary. If you right. only knew, <laughs> if you only knew, if we only knew. What I, happened I'm old enough that I, I was around in the 80s when we used to have this saying: "Do not buy a car that was made on Friday afternoon <laughs> in the production line." And I have the same saying: "Do not be operated on Friday afternoon." There for us, go. the weekend has already started on Friday <laughs> afternoon. We have mentally checked out. <laughs> Um, just for everyone, Sam's a surgeon in Sydney, so you're fine here in Melbourne. Oh, anyway, you know, so safe in Melbourne. Um, so All Sam, the good doctors go down to Melbourne. Awesome. Sam, thank you so much for coming out the time for us. Um, we wanted to talk to you. We're in a series. We're talking about the discipleship philosophy here at Red. What does it mean to be a disciple? The disciples abide with Christ. They're renewed by Christ. They go with Christ. And we thought, who better to, to speak to about going with Christ than, than yourself? Um, I know this is a passion of yours. Can you just unpack that for a bit? What does it? What does going with Christ look like in your life? Yeah, so a great way of understanding this is it's in the DNA of every Christian to want to tell the friends about Jesus, but we sort of just don't know how, and it just feels weird, feels awkward. And if you sign up for any evangelism course at a Bible college or whatever, they might teach you how to give a 20-minute monologue at an event, you know, like a Carol's night or a men's breakfast, 
or they teach you how to do walk-up evangelism on a university campus to a stranger. But what do we do with this third space in, in between? How do I tell my friends and family about Jesus? So not the 20-minute monologue at a church event, not the random stranger on a train or university campus who I will never see again. What do I do with friend, friends and family and people at work who I will see every day for the next 5, 10, 20 years of my life? How do I tell them about Jesus? And suddenly you realize the methods there and there don't work for this space here. And that's sort of why I wrote the book, How to Talk About Jesus Without Being That Guy. And one big thing in that book, and it's exactly what you are saying, we are just to go out there and just be Jesus to our friends and family. Uh, how can I be a blessing? How can I be the neighbor? Another way of putting it, in my book I say, how can I position myself to be the unofficial de facto chaplain in my friend's life? They didn't ask me to be their chaplain, but they will soon recognize, hey, you are my unofficial de facto chaplain. By that, I mean you are my connection with the sacred. You speak on behalf of God and you bring meaning where there's crisis, suffering and chaos. And this is where people start coming to us. And it sort of begins by us, and this is what my chaplain friends say, by us beginning with a genuine curiosity about their life, where we ask questions not to respond, we ask questions not to argue, we ask questions not to see why they're wrong, but we ask questions because we just want to know. We are genuinely curious about them. What did they do on the weekend? What are their plans for the holiday? What, what names do their kids have? And it actually shows we care. We, we think, oh, that's just small talk. No, no, it's genuine curiosity and it shows we care. I have a friend, she works as a lawyer. She says her partners, and she's worked with these partners for 10 years, her partners have never once asked her what she did for the Christmas holidays and how many kids she has. And then she says, oh, but they tell me what they did on holidays. They talk about their kids, but they don't ask about mine. Why? And she said, because they do not care. So sometimes just by asking questions, we, we show we care. And for me at work, the big thing is I make sure I'm, I learn the names of everyone at work from the highest to, you know, the whatever we might call the lowest in the pecking order. And Eddie Wu, the WooTuber, you know, the Christian teacher, Australian of the year, Dude, here's this amazing story where he says at his school where he was teaching, a parcel once came in the mail addressed to, let's say, to a guy called Peter. And everyone in the school is going, Peter? There's no Peter who works here. Who's this for? And then they realized it was the groundskeeper. His name was Peter. He'd been working there for 20 years. No one had bothered to learn his name. Why? Because no one cared. So it all begins with, I want to care. How can I care? How can I show genuine interest? And sorry to keep talking, but then the, the next thing is to evangelize like a counselor. Uh, for people like you and me who went to Bible college 10, 20 years ago, again, if we took an evangelism class, we got taught evangelism by preachers, like how to give an evangelistic talk, how to do a 20-minute monologue. And that's great for people like you and me in full-time Christian ministry when people do come and hear us monologue. But what do, we, what do we do in this third space again with friends and family? We don't give them a 20-minute Bible talk. Here we don't evangelize like a preacher. We need to evangelize like a counselor. 
a counselor just asks questions. How's your day? How's your weekend? How was it really? It's that power of the second question. And then we give them permission to be vulnerable and broken. Like at work, I was always asking a nurse, how are the kids? How are the kids? How are the kids? And everyone feels like they've got to say, they're great, they're great, they're great. But they can't be great. Just think about it. Genesis 3 says, every level of human existence is broken. Work is broken. Uh, our relationships are broken. And bodies, health is broken. So everyone is broken at some level, but they just can't talk about it. We give them permission to open up. So one day I said, how are the kids at school? And she said, oh, so-and-so is getting bullied. The other one's got learning difficulties. We have to see, you know, a therapist. And I just said to her, oh, you're just worried your kid's going to fall behind. And she said, that's exactly it. So I spoke her fears, her emotions back at her. I processed it, showed I heard, showed I understood, showed I felt the feelings behind what she was saying. And then I said, my wife and my kids, we pray every night for our friends. Can we please pray for you? Because that's what a chaplain does. A chaplain offers to pray. And I found 100% of the time people say, oh, yes, please, could you? So that moment, we have been their connection with God. We speak on behalf of God, their connection with the sacred, the transcendent. We bring meaning into a broken situation. And then the next week, we simply check in and we say, hi, oh, listen, I prayed. How is it going? And this is what I'm finding, and I'm going out on a limb here. So this has been happening at work a lot. So a nurse, she was in visa problems. So I said, hey, can I please pray for you? Pray for your visa situation. Another nurse, her daughter had a diagnosis. She said, oh, please, could you pray for my daughter? And I check in a week later, and the nurse with a visa, she said, you won't believe it. It got renewed. And I said, yes, it's a miracle. I bring sacred language in. I said, it's a miracle. No one's got a problem against miracles. And then the other nurse with the daughter, I said, how's your daughter going? She said, you won't believe it. Uh, the diagnosis, is, it's fixed, it's healed. And I said, yes, it's a miracle. And then I say, would you like to know more? And, and, and so th these are the conversations I'm having at work. That's fan so fantastic. I, uh, I, just, I love your passion and energy. I, I just love how bringing that into your everyday, bringing that into the, to being a light to the people around you. That's, that's, that's uh, Jesus' call for us. I think that we, we have a saying, um, the priesthood of all believers, that, mm. that you're called to, if you're a Christian, if you're in the room here at Red, if you're in the room at church, if, you're, if, you say, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're called to be part of this priesthood of all believers. I think often we can see the 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 mission of god to be something that's there in the future it's not something i'm in now or, or it's an event i go and do or it's an event that others go and do and it's not me um what would, what would you say to those people um that may have that 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 worldview of of they're not really stepping into this either out of fear or out of anxiety or out of a, a misunderstanding of who they are what would you say to those people uh God will use us precisely because we have those fears. Paul in Corinthians says God loves to use us because we are jars of clay, mundane, ordinary, and God will use us not despite how ordinary we are, but because we are ordinary. So if we're feeling ordinary, well, this is, this is exactly what God wants, a mundane, ordinary, shy introverted person who doesn't feel competent or confident that is somehow in god's 
way of working. That's the evangelist he wants. Also, event-based evangelism, long may continue, but it only works well in Christendom. It only works well when someone has already heard the gospel a thousand times before. When Billy Graham came in the 70s, he was telling people what they'd heard a thousand times before. That world has gone. We are now post-Christendom, post-church, post-reach, post-Christian. Evangelism has to, has, has to happen through us, the non-professional, lay, ordinary Christian being out there rather than through the professional public speaker where people get invited to, to hear that public speaker. Uh, also, as I said in the earlier interview, it's like fitness. Fitness is an event. It, it's not one event you shoehorn into your week. Fitness is a lifestyle change. Evangelism is in this one-off event. Oh, okay, today, today, please, today, can I tell my friends about Jesus? No, it's a lifestyle change. So I love the school drop-off. In the morning, I drive my boys to school. We all take turns praying, and sometimes we pray about, you know, the teachers. Sometimes we pray about the friends. We thank God for schools. But every now and then, I throw in this line today, please let me be Jesus to my friends. Let me be Jesus to the teachers. How can I be? Not what can I do, but how can I be? So it's who we are. So the interesting thing is in ethics, we used to worry so much about what do I do? What is, what is a good, uh, you know, what, what's a good thing to do? Now in ethics, we realize, no, no, we flip the question, not what is a good thing to do, but what does a good person do? How can I be good rather than what can I do to be good? And it's the same with evangelism. How can I be Jesus? How can I be that neighbor? So now I reread the parable of the Good Samaritan through these new lenses, and I see the Samaritan as a hated, despised foreigner who came into our world, and I think it's a bit of a parable about Jesus. Jesus is really the Samaritan in that story coming to save the broken, hurt guy who can't save himself. But now Jesus calls on us to be the Samaritan to our friends, our family, in our workplace. Be the misunderstood one. Be the awkward one, the despised outsider who surprises people, who crosses cultural, economic, religious boundaries and gives costly hospitality where we're generous with our time, our, our money, our resources, where we're to be the neighbour. So, again, don't worry so much about what to say, but just worry more about who can I be? How can I be Jesus how can I be the Samaritan to those around me? That's so fantastic, Sam. I, I love how you talk with such passion and energy around that, and and it, and it it just reiterates what we've been talking about about um, people abide with Christ; they're renewed by Christ. Christ transforms people in the heart, so He can take them as a new person with Him on mission. Um, and I love how as you step into that, it grows. I, I just. Yeah. Um, you know, you've written your second book. You've got a passion for this. I imagine you 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 didn't start where you're at now. And um, thank you for following him. Thank you for following Jesus. Thank you for growing in that. And thank you for what a blessing you've been to us today. No worries. Thanks so much for having me, Ryan. Thank you so much. It was great to speak to Sam earlier in the week. Such a enthusiastic guy. So encouraging. Such a uh, a great witness to Christ. We're going to jump into scripture. Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Therefore, 
Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. We're in a a series, we're in a series called Our Lives, His Vision. And really through this series, we're preaching into the discipleship philosophy here at Red, which is abide, renew, go. We abide with Christ. We're renewed by Christ and we go with Christ. And today I'm sharing the last of uh, the three parts on go, what it means to go with Christ. If you haven't already, I encourage you to look back and join in by, by watching those last two sermons on go where we spoke, spoke about the compelling why do we step into this. We spoke about um, uh, what the Bible says about this and today I'm just going to share with you how, how we do this, how we step into going with Christ in our own lives. First, I want to start by acknowledging the point in history that you and I have been born into. Where are we in in God's timeline of, of, of history? Matthew 27, 51 says, it's talking about Jesus' uh, crucifixion and as, cru- as Jesus dies on the cross, it's that moment in history where Jesus goes to be with the Father. And it says this, at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn. It was torn in two from top to bottom. See, this curtain temple was the point in the, in the holy temple screening the holiest of holies, the presence of God. And we live in this time, we live in this point of history where that, temp, that curtain has been torn, where the Spirit of God has gone out into the world. In John 6, 7, Jesus says this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. The advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. We live at a point in history where the Spirit of God has come into the world. It no longer resides in the temple, it now resides in us as his living temples. We live in a time where you and I have been invited to step into being the priesthood of all believers. It's really interesting that uh, the human condition, we, we grapple, we uh, latch on to the tangible so easily. We latch on to the practical, to the physical. We like that. That's controllable. That's easy to grasp. It's interesting that it's much easier for us to focus on our doing rather than our being. It's much easier, easier for us to focus on our doing rather than our being. God's invite as we step into our going, is for us to prepare our hearts, not prepare our paths. We've talked about this a lot over the years at Red. We've talked about, you would have heard if you've been around a while, you would have heard the expression, don't just do good stuff, do God's stuff. And I believe we're in a season where we're now seeing fruit from this this preached message, this word that we've been, many people here at Red have been stepping into, have been abiding with in their lives. Each week, I don't know if you've noticed, if you come to our in-person services, you would have seen me. I'm the chatty one. I love to be out the front amongst people. And it seems like every week I'm meeting new people, people that are being drawn to come to church, to come to God. Some weeks I'm, I'm in conversations with people who have, don't have a faith, 
They don't know what they believe yet, but they're being drawn to God. Some weeks I'm in conversations with people who have come back to church. Maybe they've been away years. Maybe they've been away decades. But I'm having these conversations with people who are being stirred, who God is drawing back to him. And it's exciting. It's exciting because so many believers here at Red are living their life in the every, living their faith in the everyday. They're witnessing Christ to the people around them. They're inviting people in and people are coming. And that's really exciting to see. God is drawing people to him through us. We're seeing people experiencing God for the first time. And we're seeing people experiencing God for the first time in a long time. And it's really exciting. There's many ways people are sharing their faith. They're having spiritual eyes to see where they should share their faith. And it's so easy to send someone a podcast, to send someone a sermon, to invite someone in. And as, we, as I've contemplated, how do I share with you today about what it means to, to go with Christ, to share your faith? All those things are good things that you could do. But the human heart goes straight to the tangible, as I said earlier. We grapple onto the practical things that we can do. And we ask ourselves, what should I do? What, what can I do? But your go isn't what you do. Your go is a lifetime of saying yes to God of taking these yes steps towards God. That's what going with Christ is, taking yes steps towards him. I used to think about my faith and, and you can think of, maybe you can do this as well, you can think of moments where you've stepped in, where you've um, been with Christ. Christ worked in our past. Christ will work in our future. Christ is working in the present. That's where God works, in the now, with us in the now. Often we can think about our faith as a, almost an event-based Christianity, an event-based faith. My faith is when I go on that mission trip, when I engage in that annual conference, when I step in at worship. Now, these things aren't bad things, but they're not your faith. They're things that you do. Your faith, your go, isn't an event. It's a journey with God. See, the reality is your going with Jesus is found in your next yes to Jesus. Your going with Jesus is found in your next yes to him. Your next step is to say your next yes to Jesus. That's what going with Christ is. It's intriguing. As you, and, and I've experienced in this in my walk, as, as I continue to say yes, something magnificent happens. God gives us more. He challenges us more. He stretches us. He draws us in. He changes us. He takes us deeper as we say yes. As we continue to walk in this posture of saying yes to God, he changes us in that journey. through your faithful daily moments of saying yes and stepping into God, he reveals his plan. He moves you along your path towards him. He starts creating you for the purpose that he has created you for. It's, it's actually really hard to talk about going with God because each one of us has a unique expression 
of who God has created us to be for this hungry and broken world. So it's really hard to speak about going with God because we go straight to that tangible, straight to that practical, straight to that, that thing that we can link on to. So I, but I just want to share with you today three simple lessons that I've learned as I've said yes, as I've taken yes steps towards God. The first one is this, step into the conversation. I've learned that um, I used to hang back from the conversation. And I've, I've developed a posture of bringing Christ, bringing myself into the conversation. I've, uh, I've learned a number of techniques. I say things in conversation like, I've, well, if this was a church chat, I'd say, and I just make it safe to bring my faith into that conversation. I often say things like, well, look, if we were in church, I'd just say the Bible says this to you. And again, I make it safe to bring Christ, bring the presence of God into my conversations. The second thing I've learned is prayer, just to pray. It's really interesting as, as God stretched me in my prayer life. The first thing I started doing was, was learning to pray in the moment. So when I'm in the conversation outside of church, outside of people with people that don't have a belief, that don't yet know Christ for themselves, I started to, to be prompted to pray in my mind, to allow God to speak, to bring God into the conversation through my thoughts, through my prayers to him, with him. The next step that God took me on in that is to start praying out loud. I, uh, I, I started to realize that oh, I can externalize this. I can bring these prayers out into this conversation. And I just started doing that at church. Many people around church, in the moment when I was prompted, I started praying and then I was like, can we just stop and pray? And I started praying. I did that first in a church setting. And now God's stretching me even further where I'm now doing that in my everyday. I used to stop in the conversation and say, hey, can I pray for that? And someone would say yes. And I'd go, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll pray for you later. And now I go, oh, I'll just pray for you now. Just close your eyes. Just accept this prayer. And I just pray for the people. So bringing prayer into our everyday, that's a great way to take a yes step towards God. And my final advice, the final thing that I've learned is just to follow the prompts. As you feel that, that compelling need to, to press in, to, to, to follow God, take the step. Give the invite. Witness your faith. Make a prayer. Just, just step in. That's a fantastic way to say yes, to take a yes step towards God in your life. Often people ask, yeah, but how do you hear? How do we hear this? How do you hear that prompt? Dallas Willard said this, don't hurry. Ruthlessly eliminate hurry from your life. The reality is if, if we're not hearing, it's because we're not listening. I used to lead such a busy life. I was crammed from the moment I woke to the moment I went to sleep. And I just, in truth, was not making space for God. I wasn't giving space to God. God took me on this journey where he started speaking to me about that. And I just started taking these simple yes steps to invite God in to give him more, step, more space in my life. One thing I did, I was always in a hurry. I was always the quickest guy on the platform as I got off the train. I always stomped up the escalator. It used to annoy me when people were stood on the wrong side and I'm like, get out of my way, I'm in a hurry. 
And God really convicted me. I just, I went through a stage where he asked me just to stand still on escalators, on travelators, just to stand there and use that time to pray. And that's just one small way that I said yes and I took a yes step towards God and I gave him more space to speak into my day. So if you're not hearing from God, I think this is an opportunity for you to just make more space and invite him in. That's my second point I want to give to you today. Make space to hear God speak. Listen for him, inviting you into your next yes step. God is always speaking. The question isn't, is God speaking? The question is, what is God saying? God is speaking into your life. He says he will be with you till the end of this age. Listen for God. Last weekend, um, my wife and I and our kids, we went, we went up for this walk uh, into the Dandenong Ranges here in Melbourne. Um, there's lots of nice nature walks. And, um, and we parked up the car. I've got three kids. Uh, my oldest is six and, and, and two younger girls. And, and we get out the car. We're, we're fussing around getting the kids ready for this, this nature walk. Um, we've got the hot chocolate ready and I've put that on the picnic bench and the kids are excited. And, and as we're locking up the car, I look over uh, in the car park and there's this, this smaller car behind ours and the passenger doors open and there's this, this, this younger girl, youngish girl sat there and she's kind of got her head forward. She looks like she's kind of falling asleep, sitting up. It's a strange scene. Um, and I said to Joey, I said to my wife, like, oh, is that, do you think she's okay? And Joey said, oh, I'm, I'm not really sure. I said, oh, I'm just gonna go over and ask. She might be having a nap, um, but I'll go over and ask. Anyway, so I walk over. And, um, and I say, excuse me, excuse me, I'm kind of like, oh, I'm being a bit rude here and waking someone up from a nap. And she, she looks up at me. And in that moment, I, I realized I was, I was faced with a scene. And, and the scene was this. It was either this young lady um, had a, a significant disability or she was having a profound medical episode. And I'm analyzing, oh, well, what's going on here? It's one of the two. So I'm, I'm looking for all the visual cues. Very quickly I see, oh, there's actually a set of car keys on the floor that have been dropped. Okay, well, she's driven here. She's, she's, this clearly isn't a normative state for this lady. She's, she's driven here. And I start to try and communicate with her and she's slurring her words. And I very quickly realize, okay, this is, this is a medical episode. This is something serious going on. I ask if I can go into her bag and she's able to say yes. And I pull out her, her license and realize, oh, this girl's 23. It's a young girl who's having this medical episode. So I, I, I get out my phone, I, I try, dial triple zero. Joey, I, I, Joey says, oh, there's a marker over here. She goes over to get the emergency marker and, and I start dialoguing with, with the lady on the phone, the, the, the paramedic service to, to get an ambulance here. It was a really interesting thing that happened. Instantly I start, I've got to start praying. I start praying in my mind. And I'm, I'm, I'm doing all the checks with this young lady um, and, and it gets to a moment in this conversation where everything's set up. Right? The, I've communicated the emergency marker. The paramedics are on the way. She's told me their ETA is a few minutes away now. I've done all the, the checks. Yes, she's breathing. Yes, she's set up right. I've, I'm reassuring this, this young lady. And, and there was not really much else to do. And in that moment, I thought, right, now's the time, Ryan. I just felt prompted to step in and pray out loud for this, for this lady. And something really interesting happened. The, the phone, this, this, the, the, the paramedic service on the phone says, oh, there's, there's not much more I can do now, but what I am going to do 
is I'm just going to stay on the phone until the paramedics arrive. Can you just leave me on loudspeaker in case the situation changes? And I'm a little bit distracted. I say, oh, yeah, okay. And it prevented, something prevented me from praying out loud. Anyway, um, the paramedics arrive. She's loaded into the, the, the ambulance and the cars, her car's locked up. She's got her bag and the paramedics are driving off. And we're debriefing with our three young kids and, and they say, oh, will, we know, will you know? Will we know if she's okay? And I, I, I say to them, look, we won't. But what we can do is we can pray. We can pray that God's with her and, and we can trust her into God's hands as, as the doctors look after her. So we pray with our kids and we carry on walking. As we walked, I really just had, after a while, as I was processing, as I was thinking with God, and as I journeyed through the next couple of days, I just had this profound sense of grief, this burden. You see, I didn't step in with God. I didn't pray out loud. And I want to be really clear here. Her health outcome, her faith outcome, was not reliant on my prayer. God does not need my prayer. God does not need us to say yes for him to have his will and way. But God does invite us to step in with him. And as I processed, as I went back to God, and I, I analysed why, what is it, God, that held me back? I realised that it was this life script. You know, I'm someone that needs approval. I'm someone that cares too much what people think of me. And I realized there's almost an ironic scene where this young lady is in a life or death situation and an anonymous voice on the phone is present. And the, the fear around how I'm perceived from this anonymous voice prevented me from stepping in with God, prevented me for saying yet, from saying yes to God. And that's how powerful our life scripts can become. As I abided with God, he revealed, he brought me into revelation, he brought me into realisation around what was holding me back. And this is the third point I want to make to you today. As we stumble in our yes steps, God invites us again to go deeper with him. God invites us to process with him, to abide with him. And he, his promise is that he is always with us till the end of this age. And he brings us into realisation and revelation so we can walk into our next yes with even more confidence. I want to finish today by just saying I'm excited. We're doing a lot of work behind the scenes here on structural things at Red, on, um, on, on, what, on how we're going to run church. Post, what does the church look like in a post-pandemic world? We've been looking at a lot of go opportunities, the organisations we partner with, the organisations, the on-ramps we can offer to people as they step into their yes, they make their yes steps, as they step into their go with God. There's global missions, there's Red Care, there's Tem Care, there's, um, there's Kids Church, there's youth, there's all these different things which are bringing the gospel into the world, bringing God into the world, bringing him into our everyday. But as we roll these out, as you see these over the next few months, my encouragement to you, my, my cry out to you is don't do good things. Do God's things. Step into things with God. 
Our prayer is that these things that we publicise, they're just a spark. You carry the fire. You carry Christ into your every day. So my prayer for us as the people of God is that we continue to say yes. We continue to take those steps towards God. And as we do that, he leads us into who he has called us to be. My prayer is that the kingdom comes out, goes out in and through our lives. That's my prayer for us as a body of believers. Just say your next yes. I'm going to pray for us now. Father, I I pray that you will grow us as a church focused on following you. I pray that you will give us wisdom. You'll bring us into revelation. You'll have us establish and set up our lives in a way that gives you space to be our God. I pray, Lord, that we hear your voice, that we say yes and step in. I pray you give us boldness to follow. When we stumble, Lord, I pray that we come back to you and we say yes again. Lord, I know that you're calling your church, your people, to bring your light into this world. Lead us, Lord, as we step into who you're calling us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.